Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, to the Natural Born Hunter podcast. And tonight, we're going to start out with this. Phil, what is better than getting 10% off on your Mountain Ops purchase? Getting 11% off your Mountain Ops purchase? That's true. And what's better than that? Well, we can walk this all the way up, but let's just go ahead and jump right up to 20% off, Will. Yes, let's not annoy our listeners by going <laughs> increment by increment till he gets 20%. <laughs> if you want 20% off your next purchase from Mountain Ops, go to GetMountainOps.com, enter the coupon code NBH20 at checkout, and boom, you get 20% off. I encourage you to do so. I love my Mountain Ops. Hell yeah, they've got great proteins, pre-workouts, they got little... BCA pills that I love, multivitamins. I mean, if you want to get jacked, just take a little Yeti, and you will be well on your way. That's it, man. And you can't beat the new flavor of the Yeti. So check it out, everybody. Once again, NBH20 at checkout. Also, uh, we are able to provide to you a pretty sweet gift code from Maven Optics which is NBH gift. If you enter that at your checkout, they will send you some free Maven swag with your purchase. I mean, these are probably one of the hottest binoculars out there today. They're fully customizable, you know, when it comes to camo patterns, colors, and not only that, they're great glass. I'm going to have Phil tell you a little bit more about that because he had a really nice expensive pair of binoculars and he sold them and got himself yeah, some no, Mavens. I Absolutely, man. I mean, when you when you look at us as hunters, we want the best bang for our buck, right? And not everybody has fifteen hundred or two grand or twenty five hundred dollars to spend on a pair of optics. So why not get as close to the good the quality of what those two thousand dollar pair of binoculars are for half the price? You know, I mean, Mavens put a excellent product together. They've eliminated the middleman and brought you the hunter, you know, the best product they can put together and kept it in a reasonable price. So, you know, if you don't believe us, you know, they're out here, they're finishing first or second in, in all kinds of awards when they're, they're putting their binoculars out there for an independent review. They just took second in a recent review on their spotting scope. And that's, there was over 30 entries into that review. Uh, all the big boys were in there too, ladies and gentlemen. And Maven, yes, on their new spotting scope, took second place in there. I mean, if that doesn't tell you, you know, that they're, they're putting out top-notch quality products, you know, I don't know what it is. Listen to me. It's money. Listen to Will. You know, they're giving us, they're giving us and our listeners the opportunity to, you know, look, if you're watching, check out this sweet hat I got on. I mean, that's a, that's a, that's a sweet hat right there I got with my binos, right? So check it out, man. They're going to kick you a free gift. I encourage you to support the companies that are really keeping the hunter in mind. That's right. So it's for Mountain Ops, NBH20 for 20% off your purchase at checkout. And for Maven, it's NBH Gift at checkout. Try them out. At Maven Let, built, yeah, mavenbuilt.com. That's right. That's right. So get on over there and try them out. And now go on and enjoy the show. Welcome back, ladies and gentlemen, to the Natural Born Hunter podcast. I'm your host, Will Bradley, along with two very special guests tonight. From Modern Wild, we have Aaron Regeer, and of course, we have the man behind the camera from so many great Upland hunting films, 
and the brand new series coming out, Project Upland, AJ DeRosa. <laughs> Welcome, boys. Hey, thanks for having us. Oh, my pleasure. So where do you guys want to go first? Should we talk a little bit about film? Should we talk about Aaron's badass uh, lifestyle brand centered around upland <laughs> hunting and fly fishing? Uh, man, you know, let's go. I guess let's go with the uh, films because that's, that's coming out, what, this Sunday? Yeah, yeah. Our first uh, short film will drop on Sunday, um, which will be uh, – um, a rough grouse society collaborative film called the opportunity uh featuring um meadow who is a regional biologist for the rough grouse society uh filmed right out in uh aaron's neck of the woods out in minnesota um it's a good film solid film um some great shooting in that film actually so not as good as in and i will disclose this right now you know we filmed a lot of stuff other than grouse this year but Aaron gets to stake claims to the best grouse kill ever filmed. <laughs> really? <laughs> I was gonna, he does. I was going to ask you if you, if, you uh, if that stand stood still it. or if uh, we didn't stop yeah, it. We no. didn't top nice. It. When, when we awesome. went when we then when we went down to uh, Wisconsin to film uh, Camp Thunderbird, which was right after we with you, um, Brandon from Camp Thunderbird did make a very unique and definitely second place for a uh, grouse kill on film, but it did not top um, the shot that you took in, in Minnesota. That was, that was next level. I mean, just the, even the dog work leading up yeah. to your shot was, was, was yeah. next level. Yeah. That was uh, uh, pretty fortunate that it worked out that way. It was pretty pretty great. Yeah. It was awesome. Yep. Yeah. Well, I wish I had shown to be one of my shots. Thing. I mean, What's that? I wish we had shown you before we uh, before we came on on the show here. It's, it's I know now like I'm just talking, sitting in the dark like all my listeners. We're, we're talking. <laughs> this bird comes up over my head. I mean, directly over my head, and I'm filming at 120 frames per second. And Aaron nails this thing. I, I mean, you can see the feathers floating down, <laughs> you know, <laughs> it's just, it's, it's next level. It's, it's some phenomenal, phenomenal, phenomenal content. Uh, without, without question, um, my most favorite kill sequence that I've ever filmed. So. So Aaron, um, when did you get into upland hunting? You know, I, I grew up doing it. Um, I trailed around with my dad. I grew up in Southern Minnesota chasing ringnecks. And, uh, I mean, I, as young as I can even remember, I'd follow after my dad chasing, you know, sparse numbers back then. And so that kind of lit my fire. And so I grew up shooting, shooting, uh, roosters. And I spent a couple of years doing that before I moved up into the grouse woods. And then I kind of did that, but the cycle was dropping. And so I kind of, I actually got out of upland hunting for probably a good six years, seven years where I hardly even touched a shotgun. And then in the last probably six, seven years, I got a new dog and said, I'm getting back into it. Cause the big game thing just wasn't really doing it for me anymore. And, and, um, I'm like, I'm going to get back in the dog thing and started doing it just about six years ago. got my first English setter and man, it's been a blast ever since. When did you decide to go ahead and start uh, modern wild? 
which for those of you who don't know, Modern Wild, they make some pretty badass designed hats, t-shirts, everything you would say Upland definitely, related. Definitely top of the food chain in that scene right now for Upland hunting. It's a very small scene, Thanks, but luckily at the top, <laughs> exactly. you will find. And, and you, you said it right there as far as how we got into it. Um, the, the whole Modern Wild, just the name and business part of it came actually just by accident and locally dealing with miscellaneous stuff started the business name and then you know i was obviously into the upland hunting stuff quite a bit but there's no cool gear out there i mean there's a handful but very very little and so i'm like you know what i want some cool stuff i'll make it myself i can do that and so then i came up with my own stuff came up with my own designs and logos and whatnot and just kind of made some stuff for myself and people kept telling me dude, I want that hat or I want this or you need to make a shirt with that. And next thing you know, one thing leads to another and you've got machines set up everywhere and you're cranking out stuff left and right because people want the stuff and you're setting up the websites and that whole deal. So it kind of just fell into it, honestly, just out of a desire to have some fun stuff to wear for ourselves. But but the selection's definitely getting better. It's more and more stuff nowadays, which is cool to see. So you make but, yeah. a lot of it in-house? Oh, yeah. We do... Uh, pretty much everything in house the only thing that i don't do is sew up the garments man i we we do all really? the designing ourselves and we do the embroidery ourselves we do um we applique all the shirts up and do all that stuff so we we uh you know baby step in it so we we're limited somewhat and then we just you know add a piece of equipment here and there and just keep up in the game as we go you know to open up more possibilities so so you make yeah, all pretty like much the everything patches? Else. yep i do all the patches yep. wow Mm-hmm. That's impressive. Yeah, yeah it's a, it was it was a it was a big learning process. That's for sure. It, it ain't easy, but and I probably would have opted to uh, just have somebody else do it had I known how much work it was. But now that you <laughs> know how to do it, it's that's great. What Project Upland did. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. But you know, it's tough because any place to go get some cool stuff. I mean, you're paying top dollar to get stuff customized and. And that's one thing that we do a lot of, which a lot of people don't really realize is, is we, I do custom stuff like crazy. You know, somebody's like, I love this cat, but can I get it with this color? And can it say this and can it do that? And I'm like, yeah, no problem. And, and I don't charge people extra for that. You know, I'm willing to work with people and it's not that hard to do it yourself. So why should somebody pay through the nose for it? I mean, it's, you know, I kind of want to make that option available for people that, you know, like me, that didn't have it when I was messing with the stuff. So anyway. That is something you never wanted to tell me. Yeah, right. <laughs> so you're gonna get nothing I was just thinking but the same pain. thing. I was like, was that offered to Project Upland customers as well? <laughs> That's gonna be nothing but pain in the ass orders coming from me now. <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, the beauty is, is it's just not that hard to do, and it's just like, why, why not do it? It's just fun. Let people. It's cool. You get guys expressing their creativity too, you know, and sending you some artwork and wanting to do this and that. Well, like AJ, you know, working with AJ with his stuff, it's it's been fun and it's always fun to see other people approach it. Learning experience for everybody, man. <clears throat> yeah, it it takes a lot of creativity, it seems though, to crank out these these shirts and these hats and everything, though. Yeah, you do have some great designs, Aaron. At the end of the day. Thanks. I I mean it's. I don't I don't feel like it's really anything extraordinary that's for sure but it's just simple stuff we try to keep it simple and our motto is, is we don't want to have seen it anywhere else before we want it to be different and and you know, um, if it's not different we don't want to do it when we uh before we came online here me and Will were talking and 
you know, he's like, you know, I, I told you you made that comment about Modern Wild being top of the game. And <laughs> I was telling him when we went and filmed the Upland Low Life film, um, you know, I showed up in Jay's camp and there must have been 15 guys in there. And, and like I was telling him, 75% of the guys in there, myself included, were wearing Modern Wild apparel when <laughs> we all walked yeah. in. We all, some of us had the same hats on and we were like, oh boy, got to change the hat, you know? <laughs> You know, it's yeah, really, I remember. Really, you, really yeah, cool. I remember you telling me that. That's that was pretty cool, and uh, just for us, you know, and we sit back and we're just doing this stuff for for fun, more or less. And and then to see pictures like you guys when you're posting them up there, doing that, you know, we're following along as fans watching the film stuff and just super excited about it. And then you guys all have our hats on and stuff like that. And we're just like, oh, we were eating it up. We loved it. It was awesome. Yeah, it was. Uh, I'm not gonna lie, it was tough to hang up my. Uh, modern wild woodcock hat <laughs> for the new J Dow yeah. Grass Society. Um, uh, you know, I yeah. like that one. I, I conservation, get one conservation. There, there you go. There you go. <laughs> it's an okay design. You know, it's it's all right. <laughs> I'll pass that along to Jay. And make sure he does. Yeah. I guess yeah. actually, I heard that this is a spinoff of a retro RGS logo, which I didn't realize. Oh, really? No, I didn't know. Yeah, that I didn't know that. Right? Yeah. I uh, found that out I, when I was on the grouse camps, uh, the grouse camp tour this year. Oh, cool! Yeah, I saw that when I saw it the first time. I was like, "That's that's a sweet hat. That's cool. I love I love that. That's really cool." How'd the grouse uh, camp tour go? It's cool. The South is um, the South. Um, what does that some... mean? <laughs> uh, the South is in of itself. It's. I mean, I'm a New England. I'm a Northern boy. You know, so. Um, it, it's a beautiful place. The hospitality is incredible. Uh, the personalities are unique, especially when you come from the north. And um, it was awesome. Um, I, I have no complaints whatsoever about down south. Um, the the pinnacle of the trip really came at the end when I was in Georgia, and uh, we're staying in this cabin. We must have got in at like ten at night, and this. You know, 86-year-old guy who's a retired federal um, biologist, um, you know, I, I walk into the cabin and he says to me, well, you look like you got to warm up a bit, kid, and uh, opens up, opens up the, uh, the, underneath the sink, the cleaning cabinet, there's, I mean, I'm not even kidding you, there's Drano, Windex, you name it, and right there's this ball, he pulls it out, and it's moonshine, and he pours out moonshine, and, and it's, and this is like the you know the end of the trip, and I'm like, yep, I am, I am in fact in the South right now. <laughs> it was great. It was it was interesting. I, I I honestly didn't know there was grouse in in Georgia. Um, never mind North Carolina, Virginia, or West Virginia. Um, and you know a bit of my own arrogance, but um, it was cool to see that uh, Tennessee as well. Um, can't forget about Tennessee. I actually, um, other than West Virginia, I, I well actually no, I saw. I saw a ton of grouse in Virginia, a ton of grouse in Tennessee, and a ton of grouse in uh, West Virginia. Um, I'd say Georgia was kind of the hardest one, um, but while we were there, the big forest fires that were tearing through North Carolina and Georgia were going on, so it restricted some of the areas that we wanted to go in that did have some habitat restoration that the Rough Grouse Society had done, So, um, but it was cool. Now, were you doing public land for private land, or...? All public land. Um, All public yeah, definitely nice. federal federal land, essentially for everything. A uh, little bit of state land while we were down there. Um, most of that content already got released um, with the Grouse Can Tour with the Rough Grouse Society, but there are um, 
a few more things that are going to come out from that. Uh, one will be the Walter Lesser Upland Icon film. Um, Walter Lesser, um, for the not setter guys in the world, and Aaron's smiling already because he's a setter guy. Um, he wrote the book, The Real Rhyme and Setter. Um, he had um, a dog that he bred from George Ryman and carried on the George Ryman breed. Um, phenomenal guy. And we actually hunted in a place called uh, that uh, George Bird Evans, one of the most famous upland grouse hunters in the world, uh, called the Gates. And we actually hunted in that spot with Walter Lesser. And he was the man that brought um, George Bird Evans there for the first time. It was, it was pretty, um, if you want to talk about pilgrimages, um, you know, getting back to your roots, that was to stand there. It was a little bit of a you know, it was a bit, of, a bit of a shock to be like, oh, wow, I'm literally standing in the gates. But That's pretty epic. Now, that is going to be released when? That film, um, it's not officially decided on when the release is. Uh, potentially February, um, possibly March. Um, the majority of the first films that are going to be released are short films. Um, the feature films are going to start hitting probably the beginning of the summer, um, which are some, some big heavy hitters in that scene. Um, the Modern Wild film being one of them, um, which will be a feature-length film, uh, along with uh, Jay Dowd's Upland Lowlife, Camp Thunderbird that was done in uh, Wisconsin. We also have another film called All About the Dogs, which is uh, a film about uh, American Britneys, uh, backdrop with some pheasant hunting. Um, we have a lot of cool content coming out in that aspect. So, and that's just the tip of the iceberg. Um, we have a lot of big stuff planned past all of that that's still being filmed. Um, we're actually, even though it's, it's the end of January, we're still proactively filming. Um, and yeah, I remember filming in January last year. <laughs> yes, the film that's forever unreleased. <laughs> the film that never gets released because not a bird was seen. That was great. We heard, for the record, we heard birds. We did. Alleged Allegedly, some people with cameras said they saw birds. I was not one of them. <laughs> no, no one with a gun ever saw a bird. Hunting in blizzards in upstate New York for grouse, not a good idea. But we had a time constraint. We were committed. Uh, trip way, without a doubt, is determined. Oh, God. We... Aaron, Aaron I, I kid you not. Trip did this thing every time. We'd be like, he'd be like, this is the last spot. This is the last spot, you know? <laughs> And we'd go out and like you, you're freezing because it was like legitimately 10 degrees, you know? So, and you're just like, all right, all right. So everybody's breaking out the guns, you know, cameras, whatever else. And you go and you push for like an hour and you're like, oh my God, you're walking back to your truck and you're like, you're like, thank God this is over. And everybody gets in, you start getting up. And then Trip is just like, no, nah, no, nah, just one, just one more spot. Just one more. No, and it was cold. I mean, it was ball freezing. Cold, yeah. and, and that went on for about five spots for the record until finally trip was just like well we saw birds you know and that was it. i did actually i take that back i did see that one bird that was in the tree above it's a us woodpecker we <laughs> <laughs> doesn't count <laughs> now that also reminds me that you were supposed to release we did that so AJ had come up, found this new technique or whatever. You post like a photo, but the background moves. So it looks kind of like a oh, photo yeah. mixed with a video. I'm trying to, um, trying to remember what the name of those are. So we had to sit still 
in the freezing cold, <laughs> about four of us sit totally still while it's snowing around us. It was probably around three degrees. You know, we're all in our upland gear, which, you know, it's none too warm. It was much colder than we all thought it would be. So we're just sitting there freezing. I asked him a couple weeks after we do it. I'm like, yeah, when's that coming out? He's like, oh, I'm working on it. Working it's on only it. been about a year and a half or I'll almost a year. Almost a year since, uh, since that photo. I'm going to put that together just for you. I mean, Good. kind of the hiccup was unreleased film indefinitely. So, you know what? Though we should we should just release it, and then we'll just make like a, a bloopers reel from all your films. We could we could make a film kind of like the Revenant from that, you know, like the creaking trees, yeah, it'll, and blizzarding it'll, conditions, it'll, and you guys just trekking through your beard full of snow because that's pretty much what it was. Exactly. What happened to your beard? It'll be called a bird never seen. <laughs> The story of hunting films where the prey doesn't show up. <laughs> yeah, I was, I was, oh man, I took work off to go do this. I was stoked. Bust, Aaron. But that's hunting. Well, that's, that's why they joy. call it grouse hunting, man. That's grouse that's hunting. Right. Grouse yeah, that's hunting, right. Grouse hunting is just the most torturous, torturous thing. It takes a special personality to be into it. It does. I don't know if we've talked about it since, but either before that or after that, Paul came up and we decided to go. Obviously, we didn't have dogs, but we were like, all right, just come up, bring a camera. We'll figure out what we can do. And he comes up and we drive up north to this area. I had been with some guys before, but it was all like private land and there are, you know, old stone walls. They're hunting the tree lines, all that stuff. And I didn't exactly know where to go. So we pull over at this diner. And we go in, and I'm like, there's a couple guys in camo. Let's just go ask them. So we're like, hey, you guys know where there's some bird hunting? And they're like, yep. Just go down this road, take a left, up on the hill. They're always running across up there. So we're like, all right, perfect. We're thinking to ourselves, what are the chances we're actually going to go up anywhere and see a single bird. I'll tell you what, if we were about 20 minutes in, launches right off this old stone wall. It had been sitting there in sun sunlight for so long. Caught us both by surprise so much that neither of us bothered to get a shot off. <laughs> and then we'd be walking around. Yeah, yeah, another half hour goes by, all of a sudden, we'd maybe get a mm -hmm. shot or two off, but not a bird was hit. Just mm -hmm. another one of those days where it was a whole lot of surprises, which to me, I think, is one of the best things about upland hunting is unlike deer hunting, you get to spend a lot of time moving. And there's not a lot of forms of hunting, especially in the Northeast, where you can spend most of your time moving around, you know, Sorry, guys. shooting the breeze, doing all that and actually chasing the animal, you know, you're much more active where mm -hmm. it's like deer hunting, you have to be a lot more passive. Yep. You, you know what, you know what the big thing is I realized in like the past three months of my life is I view deer hunting as this, like, you know, a lot of prepping and all these things. And that's the background I come from. And it is, it's all of those things. And then I got a bird dog. And then bird dogs made me realize that upland hunting was actually a far more greater commitment <laughs> than I realized that deer hunting actually was. And that's because not only do I have to deal with 
this dog in my house. Grim, come here, bud. Come here. Come on. Come up here. Oh, come on. Say hi in the camera. Say hi. You see that? It's a pretty Here's little dog you got there. <laughs> so not only do I have to deal with him 24-7, which I've learned to love him now, but on top of that, you're talking three years before this dog's at its prime. And on top of that, <laughs> yeah. that prime ends at like year six. That's a lot of work when you think about it. It's pretty crazy. It's pretty insane, actually, is really what it is. That's why you'll have like six dogs by the end of next year. Yeah. Ah. Well, that's not <laughs> happening over here. But just Graham and Marty on this side. <laughs> ah. I don't think Marty's going to be doing too much uh, bird hunting. You'd be surprised. Marty likes bird hunting. There he is in the background there, beating up Grim, actually. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Marty's smaller than some of the rough grouse I've seen. Yeah, but he's also, he holds his own. He retrieves pheasant. He does all sorts of stuff. He loves pheasant, actually. But. So what was the most memorable of all the films you did this year? Oh, you're going to ask me that with Aaron. Oh, that's, that's, <laughs> that's, that's brutal. Earmuffs, um, I would have to say... Um, all right, let's do a disclaimer in the, in the beginning. There are plenty of films that are very unique in their own sense. So um, other than the one Aaron was in. I'm a sucker for nostalgia. Because of that, I would say Camp Thunderbird is, is probably my favorite film that will come out this year. Uh, tell us um, a little bit then about this Camp Thunderbird. Uh, so we did this one out in Wisconsin. kid named uh, Brandon Smith uh, rebuilt a cabin that's 100 years old. Um, in the heart of, of, of grouse country, really grouse and woodcock country. Um, and it was cool. It was just to see this, you know, one room cabin, no electricity, no bathroom, um, no running water, uh, rebuilt and, and to get to go out there and hunt from there and film that was, was, uh, cool. And, um, I'm sure there's plenty of dog guys out there that are going to cringe when, when I, when they hear me say this, but. Um, I see a lot, a lot of different dogs work. I see a, a, a lot of different breeds work. Um, uh, I could say a lot of things that would probably make my breeder cringe or whatnot. But um, the one thing I'll say is his German shirt, short hair was without doubt the best German short hair I have ever seen work since I have filmed the Project Upland film. Um, I see a lot of neurotic and crazy German short hair pointers that are just too, too, uh, too high energy for their own good. And uh, this dog was just, I mean, six-year-old dog, so he was at his peak. Um, phenomenal dog. Um, but I will have to say that if I, if I do have a favorite um, outside beating a Griffon owner, uh, without a doubt, um, setters, setters performed the best this year. Um, the best performances I got were out of setters. So, other than Lutz. Other than the one GSP. Yes. <laughs> Lutz, as his name is. But I pronounced that correct. So, for the record, I practiced that. <laughs> I can picture you waking up saying it in the mirror over and over again. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Aaron, what's your favorite thing about upland hunting? Um, 
uh, you, you were talking about it earlier, just being more active, more proactive in the in the actual activity. You know, I, I was big time, big game, you know, white-tailed deer sitting in a tree stand for six hours. And, and that's great, but there's just something about going out and pursuing the game, you know, directly. And then um, obviously the dogs, I, I think that's kind of the, the one that most serious upland hunters with dogs will say is it's, it's all about the dogs. I mean, you can go out and have a good day hunting and not see a bird if your dogs work and handle right. And, and that's definitely, definitely a big part of it, but it's just the activity, you know, you can go out and just get after it and, and kind of your, you do have with grouse hunting, obviously you have your good days and your bad days. Um, sometimes even the best grouse hunter, you know, is going to get skunked and it happens all the time. But uh, for the most part, you control your own fate, I feel like, whereas with deer hunting, it's a lot more, a little more roll of dice. And um, if you have some good dogs and you put in your time, you're going to have more often than not, you're going to average great days. And that's fun. Um, but yeah, the dog work, though, that, that's when you get a good dog and they're, they're firing on all cylinders, that's hard to beat, hard to beat. It's like rattling in a 150-inch whitetail, you know, it's, that's, that's the high that you get. Same same thing when your dog, you know, works perfect and holds a grouse just just perfect, and and you get way more contacts like that than you do. You know, you'll sit all season for one good whitetail, but you could have two or three great grouse contacts in a day and be at that same level. But we had yeah, definitely it is, dogs. It is exciting. That that's for me too. Um, I get the same adrenaline high I would on a trophy buck that I get on you know shooting a grouse or or filming a grouse for that matter. Um, which is my, the allure for me, that's, that's it. It's just, and it's, it's not, you know, in, I don't want to undersell deer hunting, but with grouse hunting, it's not for everybody. It, it takes, it is, it is brutal. It is, um, it takes, it takes a certain, I said it earlier, it takes a certain personality. It takes a willingness to go you know, and, and run yourself into the ground with no guarantee of success. Um, I had somebody the other day actually ask me, um, you know, oh, well, uh, you know, how many, uh, how many grouse do you think you shoot in a year? And, and you know, it's a, it's a tough number to say, okay, well, how much do I hunt, you know? But how many, you know, grouse do you flush? But the question that people don't ask is, how many grouse do you actually get to, sh to shoot at? You know, like, great, you, you flush 20 grouse. Did you get to shoot at 20 grouse? No maybe five, maybe six, depending on what time of the year, depending on a lot of things. Um, you know, and, and that's a lot of work to put in for one bird. Um, and I think that's why, you know, a lot in the, and I'm not saying it's not in up, other communities, uh, the upland community in general is uh, the general admiration you see that people have towards, you know, singular birds, um, guys shoot birds, and, and they do take a moment um, to revere that bird. Um, you know, no different than shooting a trophy buck. Let me ask you this. And I guess I'll have Aaron answer first. When you're hunting and you're out there, up, out there upland hunting, do you ever find yourself in like a flow state? Where, and I guess I asked this because the other day I was listening to a Joe Rogan podcast and he had this guy on and this whole thing was like talking about flow you know in the state of flow and uh i guess when your brain goes through is explaining basically it goes from beta waves which are like fast moving waves of waking consciousness down to like alpha waves 
like a daydreaming kind of like uh, your subconscious, you know, you're, I would say you're almost like more in tuned, you're almost conscious of what's going on to surround you, you're almost more instinct, more naturally moving. You ever, you ever find that happening when you're out there in the woods? Oh yeah, definitely. Um, I, I do a lot of hunting with other people. And so I, a lot of time, I have two brothers that are equally involved in this. And, and so we're, I, I usually find myself with other people. And I think when I'm with other people, you don't tend to go there as much because you're always, you know, you're, you're processing and you're always figuring, oh, this person's here, this person's there. But when I go and hunt by myself, um, that's always like, for me, it's like a totally, totally different experience when you're out there in the woods by yourself, just you and the dog. And especially if it's a dog that, you know, and you're just clicking with, and like you said, you get to a point where it's just like, you're, you know, it's like, you're not even processing things, you know, on a normal level, like you would just walking around. You're not really thinking, you're just going out there. You're not even, you don't even have a game plan for, you know, how you're hunting. Um, you just get out and go and birds get up and you can actually like sit back and look like think back at the experience after you take a half an hour run through a cover and not even really think about like you, you can't even name any particular game plan or how you approached it or anything you just kind of go in and do it but but yeah definitely i think that that um most grouse hunters almost have to be in some kind of a flow to process things a different level, you know, to be able to be successful, I think. And it's a lot like, you know, spot and stock muley hunting and stuff. You know, I always liken it to that last 30 yards of the approach, you know, where it's like all of a sudden it's like you're observing yourself as you're doing it. Like you don't really process it in a first person sense. But Right, anyway. right. And have you ever felt like maybe you could sense what was going on in the woods a little bit? Oh yeah, absolutely. You get those times where you're walking and, and, you know, everybody's always like, oh yeah, there's, there's a bird. This is a good spot. There's, you know, there'll be a bird here or whatever, but like there's seriously, there's times where you'll be walking dogs, not on point dogs, not birdie or anything. And you are already readying your gun in preparation for the flush. Cause you know, it's coming out of a particular area and you're already training on that bird before it even, before you really have any indication that it's there. And, and it's something that, you know, it's, it's easy to, to say that, but until you experience it, you don't really realize how true it is. It's just like kind of that extra sensory perception or hunter instinct or whatever you want to call it or flow, however you want to, you know, whatever you want to call it. I, I think there's something to be said too about the connection between a dog and a hunter too, and the actual mental state of that, which is vastly different than hunting alone. Um, and there is a certain subconscious to it. There is like you are connected, there is a reaction based on the dog's reaction that becomes subconscious, um, which again is is very much part of that flow. I, I saw it with you when I was filming you, you and your pup. You know, there's definitely uh, plenty of moments when we filmed the most epic Project Upland Grouse <laughs> ever. That was that moment. You can see it in film. I mean, it, it unfolded and there was, there was a, a full-on subconscious connection there. One of the reasons I, I ask that too is I found myself in that before with dogs, hunting with dogs, also hunting without dogs. And it's one of those things I've never been able to put like a term or some words to. Just had like a feeling about till I heard that Joe Rogan podcast. And that was one of those things where I'm thinking like the flow of hunting or the zen of hunting, like that that connection we have as people and as hunters i feel like people who have moved away from hunting are experiencing less and less and less and less or they're finding other activities to maybe induce that state but i think when you're hunting all of a sudden it clicks in 
faster or more natural than it has with any other sport or any other activity I've done. For some reason, especially like when we were up in uh, New Hampshire, I remember being out with your Uncle Denny. Uh, we were hunting, and there was a moment where I just knew if I turned a woodcock or a bird, something was going to flush to my left. And then all of a sudden, phew, must have been like five, six feet maybe away, phew, up, up came that woodcock, you know, trying to go directly away from me, and boom, right on it. And it was just one of those moments where, like, I can just remember being, like, focusing on my breath, feeling like whatever light rain or whatever was coming down. You know, it was just one of those movements of you felt, like, totally just clear, like your brain was just shut off, and it was like you, you knew. You kind of had that knowing of what was going on with the energy of the woods. You know, bird hunting, a lot of hunting is distracting in general. I, I We did an article on Project Upland a while ago called uh, A Cure for modern element uh upland hunting um and one of the things that we point out it's like you know the challenge is you know as a bird hunter or as a, a hunter go out flush a bird and when that bird go, goes up try to think about anything else in the world and you can't it's impossible that's you're hyper focused at that moment um and there's not the, i don't care if your mortgage is laid if you're if you're you know, your whatever is going on in your world that is, has been, you know, destroying your life to this point, there is nothing else you can focus on past that. Now, as hunters, do you feel that there's a limit between how much technology you should be taking in the field? I think it's a personal choice. Um, like, personal well, personally, ethics. do you feel like there's, do you have your limits to how much I find myself using, my, say, my phone when I'm in, like, the tree stand less and less and less and less. Like, I remember in the beginning, it used to be like, all right, I'm going to just play some game, do whatever. You know, I'm bored. And now it's like I go out there and I just put the phone away till it's time to pull it out at the end of the night to say I'm on my way home. I mean, I think that's healthy. <laughs> There's no question about that. But um, I don't know. I Again, I, I just think it comes down to a personal choice. I don't think there's necessarily, yeah, there's a limit. When, you, when, you're, when you're out there and you have guys, you know, spotting an elk for you and radioing over to you telling you where it is, which some states that's legal, there's nothing ethical about that in my opinion. There's nothing good about that. That's a disadvantage of technology, but um, I don't know, using a GPS collar with your dog because you don't want your dog to disappear comes, you know, with the advantage of knowing that your dog's on point 52 yards in front of you? I don't know. I mean, I, I don't, I, I don't, again, I think it's a personal experience. If that's what you're cool with, if that's what feels right to you, then good. And some people are different progressions upon that. I mean, there's been times in my life where, yeah, I'd be playing deer hunter on my cell phone while I was waiting for a deer to come up. I shot my first trophy buck like that, you know, <laughs> but, you know, fast forward four years later and that wasn't a thing. I wouldn't be doing that. And that, that's a personal evolution, you know. How about you, Aaron? What are your thoughts on that? <clears throat> yeah, I, I definitely agree. It's kind of a personal thing. And I think it's, you know, any individual's, uh, I don't want to call it evolution level, but, you know, they're, where they're at in their hunting thing, what they're getting their satisfaction out of it for. Um, for me, it, it was about being good and improving yourself. And so the technology obviously aids in doing that. And so naturally you're adapting and you're always looking at the technology because, oh, this is going to help me do this and this is going to help me do that. And then 
once you start getting into it, like I found myself, you know, sitting back and realizing that I'm missing elements of what's going on. And so personally, I start dialing that back more and more and more. And now I practically, I mean, besides an e-collar, you know, I'm I'm trying to run a bell basically only. And it's it's not because I don't think that the technology of a, a locator collar or anything like that is good and having that thing toned off. It's just there's something more pure kind of, I guess, in, in that way. And, and for me personally, I just like to, you know, I don't want to be looking at a GPS screen on a, on a GPS collar walking through the woods. I follow behind people like that. And if that's what they want to do, that's fine. That's awesome. But that's not what I want to do because I want to go out and go hunt, enjoy the woods. And, and that's just where, where my, you know, my level is. That's what I'm looking to get out of it. You know, for everybody, it's different, and, and I'm not going to, I think like AJ said, until you get into that ethical side of things where you're starting to get a little bit too ridiculous, and, you know, where you draw the line on there, you know, that's all open for debate, but kind of comes down to whatever anybody, anybody's individual, you know, what, what they're looking for, and I ain't going to fault anybody for wanting to do one thing or another, as long as you can consider, you know, ethical. <clears throat> But we're not afraid to use technology, that's for sure. Modern <laughs> wilds. <laughs> exactly. That's the, that was one of the concepts. That, that's kind of the modern wild to... motto, isn't it? Like, exactly. Not it's breaking people on. Exactly. Don't you, we won't restrict technology. I mean, we'll embrace it fully if it helps you or somebody else experience everything that much better you know if it's if it's an aiding factor in it you know if it's if it's going to help a kid get that much more jacked because they're more successful that's what should happen for sure but you know for us you know i'm not interested in in marking every single you know step my dog takes to become the most efficient hunter in the world it's just that's not what it's about for me and so i don't do that but but definitely i mean if it aids in in the experience i'm all for it totally and we'll embrace that you know and that's where the film thing comes in you know the the new technology and film and all that you know we love that stuff the the better frame rates and just getting these six slow-mos and stuff like that that's just awesome and we love that we absolutely love it and yet, you know, you got people out there that you bring out, you take a phone out to take a video of a flush, they'll turn at you and say, put that thing away or I'm going to shoot it. You know, they don't even <laughs> want to see a phone, you know. And, but for us, you know, it's just whatever aids the experience. That's kind of our deal. <clears throat> Those are great answers. I, if you had to pick one state to hunt upland in, what would it be? That's that's another personal question. That's that's gonna yeah. Be so I'm primary. asking you personally. I'm not asking I'm you to pick that's, for everybody. That's, that's Just driven on. I mean, I'd say New Hampshire without a doubt. I was born and you know raised on New Hampshire grouse, and that hasn't changed. And I got to hunt here for four hours one day with my friend Sam up in New York. Um, everybody on Instagram knows him as the Royal Flush, and um, he wanted to shoot a New Hampshire grouse. Shout he out hit to me Sam. up, and yeah, and I bought a. a you know, whatever it was, a three-day license or whatever. I didn't even have a New Hampshire hunting license because I hadn't been home. And I was like, let's do it. And uh, we drove up and, and uh, you know, that's tough terrain. You've been up there, Will. You, you've oh, hunted yeah. up there. Same 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 places we hunted. And, uh, you know, we, we put on some. And I had already hunted with him out in Michigan. Michigan is flat. New Hampshire is not flat. <laughs> it is also, they also do not clear up their log landings in the state of New Hampshire. So you're, you're just tripping over down to everything and there's nothing clean about walking through there. And, and it's brutal. And we got up and we were looking over this mountain and, 
you know, Sam finally looked at me and, and after being like, this is, this is ridiculous, looked at me and saw that view. And you can, you know, Will, you can see for, you know, into Canada, no paved roads, mountains forever. And um, that, that right there makes it worth it. I shot a grouse that day. I actually, uh, for the first time in my life, saw a grouse strutting that day. And um, we were getting back in the truck and, and Sam's dog went on point. We already had the guns away. We pulled the guns back out, walked up. And uh, we walked up into this dog, and there was literally a grouse strutting back and forth, displaying for another grouse. I've never seen that. Um, I actually, as much as it was awesome to shoot my one New Hampshire grouse for that year, because I spent my entire year in other states, um, I wish I had had a camera instead of my shotgun that day. Um, that was seared into my brain, and I wish I could rip that out and put it on a Project Uplink post for everybody to see, but I can't. <laughs> So how about you, Aaron? Are you going to stick with uh, your home state? You know, I think I think anybody, especially somebody that's grown up or hunting or has early experiences in a state, you you can't help but have a little bit of a of a bias there, where that's where you'd want. And and I know it. And then, but that being said, I've never shot. I've literally have never shot an upland bird outside of Minnesota. I've never shot one and never hunted outside. Um, but where I where I would say that, that I would like to go, um, I would definitely like to go out west somewhere. Idaho is on my list. Um, that's going to be my next for sure upland trip. Probably I'm hoping next fall. Um, I would like to go there. But just chasing honestly, it's the sharp tail thing. I want to go chase sharpies, and um, I've done it a little bit in Minnesota, but but it's pretty limited here. So, but I would say that would that would be it. But if it's if it's you know going out and spending the time in the woods there's that that whole tradition aspect and the nostalgia you know of being in your in your ground in your grouse woods and getting out there you know that that's hard to take away but but yeah how would you define the grouse woods what, what do the grouse woods mean to you <laughs> you spend too much time with project upland will <laughs> <laughs> yeah that's this sounds like coming from aj <laughs> uh you know, I'm kind of a transplant for the grouse thing, and so uh, it's it's just different. You know, I, I, it's a totally different experience than what I grew up doing. You know, like I said, I grew up chasing ringnecks and stuff, and so getting thrown in the grouse woods, it was like shock value. And um, the the challenge of it and the fact that, you know, you in any given day you could be, you know, on and shoot. 100 and just do awesome and go out the very next day and have the dogs work perfect and do everything that you could do right and and have a million grouse contacts and not shoot a single bird there's just something that you know as a you know looking for a challenge or whatever that's it's it's hard to beat but just the yeah that difficulty level and and the fact that in any given day anything can happen i mean that's the way it is anywhere hunting but grouse hunting it's especially there's just something about it and and also, too, it's, it's uh, I would say, from a, a family perspective, um, like I said, my brothers, we spend a lot of time in the woods, and we always have doing miscellaneous stuff, but I would say when we really started to upland hunt and get into the dogs again, that was when we really, really got tighter and back into it together. And so there's that family element there that, uh, you know, kind of always drains. Kind of like the home state thing, there's just something special about it and always will be. You never take it away. I think it's important to point out too, Will, is that, you know, for, for us being, you know, from the north and from, you know, grouse country, we call it the grouse woods. And 
guys experience the same thing with other species. Um, you know, there's guys in places like Kansas or whatnot that are experiencing the same thing with pheasant. There's guys down south that are experiencing the same thing with Bob White. Um, you know, or guys out west that are experiencing it with sharptails or trucker or whatever it might be. Um, you know, the, the grouse woods is that that terminology is a symbolic terminology to really say that it's it's an emotional connection with with kind of a comfort food, with an uprearing, with a with an emotional bond, with with a, a you know a, a you know a, a primitive sport, um, and that happens for all upland culture. Um, obviously, for for myself, for the beginnings of Project Upland has been very dominant in rough grouse. Um, so, you know, we always refer to it as the grouse woods, how we'll always refer to it as the grouse woods. Um, but the grouse woods does not mean the rough grouse. It can mean the woodcock. It can mean a snipe. It can mean just so many other things. And I think that's very important to remember. Um, you, you know, they call the grouse of the king of birds. There's certainly plenty of elitism that, that has built up around it. Um, but it's not to mean that other sports aren't challenging. Uh, chucker, perfect example. You know, I think uh, you'd probably be able to say it better, Aaron. But I think the quote goes: "You, you shoot your first, uh, you shoot your first chucker for passion or for excitement, and then every chucker after that is for revenge." Um, <laughs> you know, so there's there's something to be said about plenty of upland birds. Um, you know, it's 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 a different beast. It's a different beast than than big game hunting, and and that's where that grouse woods. That's where that word comes from, and I, and I think it's important to remember that. You probably wouldn't have got me out, got that out of me last year when we talked. <laughs> <laughs> he hadn't hunted all these other birds yet. That's no, why. No, no. Yeah, yeah. But uh, you know, for me, I I've done a little bit of big game hunting too, and and uh, like AJ said, it, there's definitely other things, and just not saying that people can't experience the grouse woods in another another sport or another species or whatever. The closest thing that I could say is is I I love spot and stock mule deer hunting out in western north dakota and there's something about that that just gets in your blood and it's the same thing as in the grouse woods too i mean it's it's that same feeling where it's just like you just crave it you know and when you're not doing it you feel like you just got to be out there whereas for me like growing up pheasant hunting i love pheasant hunting but it doesn't have the same thing and i know other guys feel that way about it but it's just not my deal it's more of the grouse and then like the the mule deer and i think it's different for everybody you know it's it's whatever does it for somebody so a little more modern take on things the grouse or bird hunting hero shot how how has that evolved and has it evolved for you personally for for who for me or either one either one whoever wants to field it well i mean i know uh the regeer brothers and myself have probably been cut from a very similar block so um, we have very good opinions on it. Actually, uh, Adam, Aaron's brother, shot the photograph that's um, the cover of the 2017 pitch deck for Project Upland, which is uh, me holding out a fan that uh, I shot with Adam side by side with Steel Shot, which still blows my mind that you guys are shooting Steel Shot. Um, <laughs> but again, a different take. Um, you know, it's, it's a modern expression. Um, you know, no pun intended on modern wild here, but that's truly what it is. You have an advancement in technology. The availability of cameras is far more um, there. You can get a very high quality camera for a decent price. I'm not saying that, you know, three to $6,000 is decent, but realistically, 20 years ago, a good camera was probably $10,000 or, you know, but now you can get a $1,000 camera that can take a super high quality picture. An iPhone, for that matter, can take a decent picture. Um, because of that, you have, 
all sorts of people expressing themselves. So you have a playing field where 95% of people are expressing themselves through photography, no matter what that device is, and you have a lot of cre creativity that sparks through that. As a result, um, you know, it's, it's without question that the driving force of modern era of hunting, and this isn't related to upland hunting, all of the new people coming into the sport are coming through because of good branding. Um, you know, it's, it's, people aren't thinking about it as that when they're taking a photo of a grouse or a woodcock or a pheasant or whatever else. But when you get that visually stunning photo, when you got that, you know, that species glorified, you know, where it's not glorifying the hunter, it's not that kill them and stack them mentality. It's this, you know, individualizing, showing the beauty of a single bird in a visually stunning manner. What that does is drives this whole new demographic of hunting because people are going to look at it in a different perspective because you have a change in ideology. You have people looking at it in a new way. And as a result, you end up with the hipsters. You end up with more women. You end up with liberals who become hunters. You end up with people from cities. You end up with people who are passionate about sustainable and organic living. Um, and that's what you have. You know, it's, it's funny. A lot of people want to say that um, hunting is shrinking. Yes, hunting is shrinking. If you are talking about the standard issue, middle-aged, white American male, Yes, it's shrinking because the fact is that if you grew up in a hunting family and the father is a hunter, more likely than not, those kids are not going to become hunters. Um, and that, that fact right there is why you have all these hunting groups, all these big media outlets that are like, oh, hunting, shrinking, hunting, shrinking, we're scrambling, we're scrambling. No, it's not. It's not at all. But the problem is, is you're still trying to appeal towards this very quickly shrinking group when you have this group over here that's going like this that has a whole new set of ideology. Um, and that's what Modern Wild's about. That's what Project Upland's about. Um, that's what a lot of organizations are pushing towards. Rough Grouse Society, perfect example. You know, taking taking a look at a modern edge on a very important conservation fight. Um, and that, that's what's gonna save the sport. Uh, you know, a lot of people wanna focus on like, and don't get me wrong, I think kids in hunting is a very important thing. Um, and I have a, a good friend, Jesse, um, out of Connecticut, does a lot of the huntergreen.org stuff with me, and, and he, he's pointed this out more than once. You take a kid hunting, the actual chances of that kid going from, I got taken hunting one day, to becoming a hunter and buying a hunting license is a huge jump. You, you have not accounted for all this ground in between. You haven't. But taking somebody who's in their 20s, somebody who's in their 30s, somebody who comes from you know, let's say it was passionate about organic living and saying, hey, listen, you can get organic meat right in your backyard. Taking those people, those people are going to translate directly into profits for the industry. They're going to translate directly into money for conservation groups. They're going to translate directly into license purchases, which is obviously the biggest staple of the, of the hunting industry. Um, and that's going to happen through these new media pushes, through these things like reinventing the upland shot. Um, you know, and I love it. I love every time I see a photo that makes me stop and say, damn, why didn't we think of that? <laughs> I, I love when people stump me with that stuff. Keep them coming. Keep them coming. And touch hashtag project upland in that shot for the record. <laughs> <laughs> and modern, modern wild as well as hashtag wild. Exactly. and natural born hunters. <laughs> because we're nothing if not modest. Right. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. Do you have any uh, goals for next year that maybe this year you feel like maybe you left something 
undone or you saw something and you were like, I didn't even yeah. know, I didn't even know I could do that? Kind of. Um, as a brand, we have a lot of unmet goals that are coming. Uh, Modern Wild is part of one of our important goals, which is uh, expanding uh, a lifestyle apparel brand, um, which is being spearheaded by Modern Wild. Um, I am a firm believer, the company is a firm believer that um, we don't want to be just Project Upland. We want to find talented people like Aaron, Adam, and, and Abe, his, his other brother, and um, take them into the fold and work with us. Um, we're, we're all growing together. There's enough room for all of us. And, and so one of the things we're going to be expanding is, is, is our uh, apparel line. We've already launched some t-shirts. Um, in the near future, we're going to have hats, uh, sweatshirts, um, all sorts of fun stuff, patches, stickers, you name it. Um, we're bringing, we're, we're even going to be publishing a book this year, um, which I'm sure is going to excite a lot of people. Um, What's the book going to be about? Um, the book is going to be a reflection over the year. Um, it's going to be, um, photography driven, story content driven. Um, it's a mix of writers, um, from all over the country, um, expanding backstories for some of the feature films, um, expanding on stories that might not have got filmed at all, but happened while we were on the road. Um, really, really cool stuff. Um, everything from inspiring content to funny content. Uh, I'm going to be writing about my experience of traveling south and drinking moonshine and cabins and <laughs> whatnot, and even absence for that record on that trip as well. So, um, well, all right. so there's definitely plenty of stuff that's going to be coming out um, to that. But the big thing that we found important this year um, was to expand in dogs, um, dog handling, dog training. Um, and I found that personally for myself, uh, you know, I got my first dog this year. Um, he was a little late to the game. Um, you know, this, he got to see everywhere from, you know, Maine to Minnesota to Georgia and, uh, wasn't old enough to hunt. Um, and he's already got some serious mileage under his belt and, and did really good on the road. And, um, what I found was, is, is obviously being from Project Upland and, always striving to do the best photography, best videography, best articles, best anything we can put out because that's what we strive to do. I want to have the best dog. And I found out real quick that um, having the best dog is not easy. And more importantly, finding the information to have the best dog is near impossible. Um, so what that led us to do is um, our upcoming announcement next month, which Aaron is helping us out on. It's called Gun Dog Confidential, which is a Project Upland series. Um, he's helping us on logo design. We can bounce that back and forth. Um, it's going to be a mixture of veterans uh, talking about certain things in hunting, um, but the baseline of it is going to be amateur perspectives on dog training. You know, this novice perspective because um, what gets down to it is that you have a lot of veterans in the world, especially in dog training, because you want to talk about elitism. Well, dog training community is a world of elitism, and there's nothing inviting about elitism. So what happens is you have people that do have new dogs that are intimidated. I shouldn't be intimidated. I'm Project Upland, and I'm intimidated. You know, and the truth is, is what we need is a collection of content who people are giving firsthand experiences of failures, of firsthand experiences of learning for their first time, because that's where learning occurs. It doesn't occur in the expert level. Any expert can say to me, well, you know, to ride a bike, you know, you put your feet on the pedals and you go one over the other. But until I crash my bike and I plant my face, I mean, I have no idea what that meant. But somebody who's trying it at the same time could crash in their face and tell me exactly what crashing in the face was like, and I'm going to learn something from that. 
Um, and that's what this big initiative is about. So we're going to take articles, um, you know, visually stunning how-to videos, um, also mixed with storylined, driven project upland films that talk about dog handling, celebrate dog traditions. Um, we partnered up with NAVDA, the North American Versatile Hunting Dog Association, um, which is going to have a huge impact on that content. Um, and, and we're going we're gonna to bring the dog community to where it should be for novices. Um, that's our target, novices, because Project Upland is about growing the sport. If we're going to grow the sport, then appealing to novices is the first thing that we want to do. Um, and that's what we need. We need a new take on it. We don't need the best of the best. We need the worst of the worst giving confidential their confidential experience, showing what it's really like. Um, and that's what we're going to do. And, and I'm going to put myself out there. I'm going to put me and my train wreck dog out there <laughs> to, to deliver this content. <laughs> oh, actually, I should say I'm the train wreck. The dog's got good genetics. It's all on me. Um, and that's something you learn when you get your first dog. But. Ah. <laughs> <laughs> so How to Fall Flat in Your Face by A.J. DeRosa and his dog. 100%. Well, no. How to Fall Flat in Your Face by Project Upland. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> and and it's, not, it's not just me. There's plenty of other guys that are going to be writing, uh, you know, or hunters. I, I, I shouldn't say guys. Um that are going to be riding on these subjects. And again, from all different levels, there's a place in Gundog Confidential for the experts, for the veteran guys that are going to deliver it. But the thing is, is that they have a creative direction coming from a novice angle, um, which is very important to this project. And when will that launch? Next month. Next month. All and right. Then so, of February. <laughs> so the new series comes out, starts Sunday, right? Sunday. Yep. And then when and where can people expect to find these and find these? Um, I'd suggest everybody go to projectupland.com. If anything's going to happen, it's going to happen on projectupland.com. Um, or at least it's going to redirect you to where you need to be. Um, these first few releases are all will all be on projectupland.com. Now, if, say, somebody wants maybe a badass T-shirt or hat with, like, an upland hunting theme where you also happen to get uh, free shipping for any order over $40, does anyone know a great website where they could <laughs> find that stuff? Well, the Project Upland has some great stuff over there. But, uh... I was... Modern Wild. <laughs> oh, so there we go, AJ. Oh, that's what I was looking for. Aaron doesn't even know. When to plug his own site. <laughs> He's being modest. <laughs> oh, Folks. Yeah, yeah, the themodernwild.com, and we had all sorts of stuff up there, and uh, constantly, constantly putting out new stuff. Um, we have turkey stuff coming. Um, we have a lot of big game stuff in the works, actually, some mule deer, some whitetail, um, always something fly fishing. Um, but like I said, most people don't realize we do a lot of custom stuff, and that's kind of our thing. We just want to be able to have people be able to express themselves and get what the heck they want, you know, and be able to have gear that they want to wear in the woods or on the water or wherever they're at. But, uh, yeah, themodernwild.com is where to start. And is it best just to contact you right there on the website? Yeah, if you uh, email is definitely the best. Um, shoot us so that we have a contact form on there. And if you have any questions or any special requests or whatever, shoot us an email right through there. We're watching it constantly. So um, we'll get back to you right away. And if All we don't right. have it, usually we can do it. There you go. That's what I like to hear. I like this uh, rough country New York State shirt myself. I have to order me one of those. 
Cool. Make the New York State bigger, though. That would be my change. <laughs> bigger than all the other states. <laughs> all right, ladies and gentlemen, don't forget, check out our great partners and go on to uh, mavenbuilt.com. Use the coupon code NBHGIFT at your checkout, and you'll get some free Maven swag with your order. And if you want to not pay full price for your supplements, as always, you can go to mountainops.com and use the coupon code NBH20 at checkout and get yourself 20% off. For the Natural Born Hunter podcast, thank you very much, AJ and Aaron, for joining us. Wake up, chase your dreams, repeat.